You're listening to MTL Bike Thief, Episode 1, a pod play about rebellion and bike theft during Montreal's summer of protests. Be warned, it's full of swearing, violence, and terrible jokes. Remember, it's meant to be taken in the spirit of good humor, even if you don't think it's very funny. Chapter 1, The Hungover Commute. Fuck. The fact that Sarah could muster the strength to enter the land of the conscious was a testament to the size and might of her liver. She had a liver that would make Hemingway blush and admit defeat to the almighty double X chromosome. The point remained that Sarah, unlike most people after a nightish debauchress as hers, was waking up. At five foot three, she just barely fit onto the cushions of the love seat. And if she was waking up on the love seat, it could only be because last night she was too drunk to make it to bed. What the fuck? Ow! She reached beneath her chest to remove something alien, hoping that that prodding sensation wasn't a rip. Please no, please no, please! Oh. But when she finally removed the affronting object, she was surprised to find... Handlebars? Not just any handlebars. Her handlebars. Her Beaulieu handlebars. Her $250 Beaulieu designer handlebars. This worried her, since these handlebars should, under normal circumstances, be found on her bike. As Sarah turned around, taking full stock of her fuzzy mouth, pounding head, rumbling gut, sweat-soaked t-shirt, she heard the only other sound that could make her morning worse. Good morning, princess! Did I wake you? Oh, morning, Kim. Do anything fun last night? I don't know. She actually didn't. The memory of the night before was buried beneath five pints of cheap beer and a dozen shots of some sickly sweet liqueur on special at the bar. I hope I'm not disturbing you! Sarah finally mustered the courage to open her eyes and face her obviously irate roommate, only to immediately wish she hadn't. Oh, shit! Well, what have we here? The answer to Kim's rhetorically sarcastic question was uh, bike parts. A lot of bike parts. My bike? Could it be you were doing surgery on your bike at four in the fucking morning? It could. Though even at first glance, Sarah knew there were too many bike parts for just her bike. Four wheels, she thought, were probably too, too many. Oh, how the hell am I going to get to work? Are you kidding me? Is that all you have to say? Not sorry? No explanation. No. No shit. It's 8.30? While collapsing into the mound of pointy metal bike parts, Sarah realized that her legs had fallen asleep. Kim took what little pleasure she could in Sarah's misfortune. <laughs> you stupid piece of shit. Before returning to her previous state of unbridled outrage, Sarah changed into fresh clothes and left the apartment in under 45 seconds. You stupid piece of shit! Sarah ran to the corner of Bernard and Waverly in Montreal's Mile End neighborhood, passing a string of overpriced, low-class, but totally hip takeout places that she almost entirely subsisted off of. <laughs> oh, fuck. For whatever reason, she felt a little under the weather. Oh, shit! She grabbed her Bixie key, a present from the bow, and tried three times to rent the commuter bike from the automated bike lock. Come on, you piece of oh. After carefully standing back up and mounting the clunky commuter bike, Sarah rode down Park Avenue, choosing to casually blow through the few traffic lights along the way. This was, after all, customary for cyclists in Montreal. In the 20 minutes it took her to navigate to her university, Sarah had worked up a sweat and an irrepressible need to find a bathroom. <laughs> Excuse me, miss. 
Sarah tried in vain to dodge the peppy young student beside the large red square banister. To her left, a mob of students. To her right, 50 tons of concrete that made up the main building. She was caught between a rock and a hard-headed rabble. Look, I really don't have time no, we're, for... We're trying to collect signatures to get the McGill Provost fired. What? You realize you're at the wrong school, right? Concordia, McGill, you can't... It doesn't matter. When administration are allowed to persecute students for expressing their right to protest... Wait, is this about that stupid Occupy thing? Sarah was referring to the dozen or so students who occupied the James administration building at McGill to protest, among many other things, the planned tuition hikes. In reality, they shat in a bucket for a week and created a mountain of paperwork for support staff. But all the peppy young student heard was... Stupid? They were exercising their right to free speech. I really don't have and time. that bitch of a provost, Judith Kitchener, is trying to get them expelled. Oh How would you like a sudden and unjustified expulsion? <coughs> and there was the answer. Sarah hurried away to finish her expulsion in the privacy of the main floor bathroom. Oh. After oh, relieving God. herself of what appeared to be half a bag of undigested orange-colored corn chips, Sarah finally felt better. And thirsty. Okay. Five minutes. She picked herself up, cleaned off a few errant chunks of vomit from her t-shirt, and immediately ran across the street to her third favorite coffee shop. Hey. Hey to you, party girl. What? How did you... You look like someone hit you upside the head with a bottle of gin, and your only retaliation was to drink it. You don't know me. This was more accurate than she realized. The shot she'd been drinking all night was 40% gin. Americano and a muffin? Maybe. Yeah. And a Pedialyte smoothie. So, yes to the party? Oh, just... fuck you. But as she was leaving, some of the chatter in the coffee shop caught her ear. Two students with the ubiquitous red squares on their shirts sat discussing the demo from the night before. This was the summer of protests of Red Square student strikers leaving class to block roads, scream gleefully while banging pots and pans to let the general public know that an affordable, accessible, achievable education was their right. But last night, something went wrong. Like a pancake. A human pancake. Pink and bloody and flat. Poor Greg. This seemed to stir up some strange emotions in Sarah, uh, like she'd heard it before, like she knew what they were talking about. What? But the alarm on her phone, labeled simply ass in chair, stirred up a different sort of emotion. Oh, fuck me in the ass. The coffee shop patrons took particular note of her seemingly unprovoked invitation, though no one leapt to accept it. Despite the mad rush, Sarah still managed to make herself late for work. Chapter 2, The Morning Routine Okay, okay. Sarah wormed her way through the row of felt-lined cubicles in the 8th floor University IT Service Center, hoping that no one with any real power would spot her slipping in 3 minutes and 32.45 seconds past her startup time. Come on, come on. <laughs> Fuck. Forgetting that her logins and logouts were clocked to the centisecond. They could have been clocked to the millisecond, but her supervisor was afraid of appearing too anal. Come on. Her supervisor, a somehow all at once skinny and portly man in his 50s to 60s, stood erect while leaning in the doorway, cocksure smile hiding his grimace. He was all at once the perfect and most irritating boss she'd ever had, who gave her total freedom while micromanaging her day through texting. A walking oxymoron. Thankfully, yet regrettably, he only ever communicated through text. He asked her why she was late, yet again. 
To which she responded, Because my bike broke down. To which he further responded, So it has nothing to do with your massive hangover. Absolutely not. My hangover's incidental. Or the coffee order in your hand. The coffee's non-negotiable. Or the vomit on your sweater. See aforementioned incidental hangover. What happened next can only be described as a 2 minute, 25 second, and 30 centisecond stare off. Neither one claimed victory over the other, and incidentally, neither one admitted defeat. His final message, get to work. With pleasure. That part at least was true. Sarah enjoyed solving technical issues, particularly networking problems with the school's fleet of nearly antiquated mass-produced PCs. The fact that the school refused to update them kept her busy. Her job existed because of academic red tape. Sarah Berners-Lee, ITDSG, how can I help you? My computer's being a cunt. Could you be more specific? No. Okay. Where's your office? After taking down the necessaries, Sarah made her way to the Liberal Arts Building for a meeting she was certain would dampen her joie de vivre. She therefore decided to take a short five-minute mental health break after only ten minutes into her day. Urban renewal has become uh, a dirty word. People immediately jump to gentrification and imagine lower-income families being flung into the street in some Dickensian nightmare, but this is uh, only a symptom of economic change. Sarah stood at the back of a large lecture hall watching her boyfriend L.A. do what he does best, talk. But today he seemed to be off his game. His hair was messier than usual, a feat in and of itself. His glasses were smeared with nose oil, and his clothes looked three days past a wash, which was two more than usual. What was normally academic slob chic was now simply slovenly. There are urban gardens, public housing projects, off-grid co-ops that can all... Sorry. I'll restructure our urban landscape, so why do we always get caught up in the fight over gentrification? Sarah waved to him from the back of the hall, to which Alain gave the requisite nod. Call me when you get out. We should do lunch. You should pay. Smiley face, eating sushi. She paid close attention as Alain shifted his eyes below the lectern, all the while continuing the lecture he knew by heart. We need to look at market forces pushing money into previously impoverished areas, and we need to ask whether the market, driven by us and our demand for newer housing, is actually hurting us as a whole. His answer to Sarah was decidedly more economical than his one to the class. K. Just the letter K, meaning he was alright, or he wanted ketamine, or this conversation was brought to them by the letter K in the year 2012. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Regardless of what this meant, Sarah decided to get on with her day. As she turned to leave, she bumped into a handsome young man in a fitted black shirt, bulging slim fit jeans, and a custom-made red square sticker. Oh, sorry. Oh, excuse me. The red square was the ubiquitous symbol for outrage in 2012. But despite his hardline political interior, his exterior managed to be gorgeous, pretty, handsome, and stunning all at once. <laughs> he was like a sculpture by Michelangelo, brought to life and given a glorious workable penis, or so she assumed. You leaving so soon? Well, uh, you know, I, there's things, people. I'm sorry? Apology accepted. What? What? Um, I'll be posting the lecture to the class website after, if you... You... you're not in this class, are you? Nah. Sarah hurried out and marched obediently off to her meeting, dreading the next half hour of her life with Professor Cunt. Or as he was known professionally... Professor Godwin? 
She felt unnerved just stepping into his office, least of all because of the acrid smell of vaguely racist classics volumes well past their best buy dates. Maybe it was more of an impending sense of doom, the sort of feeling you get when stopping by Hannibal Lecter's study for lunch. With this in mind, she was surprised to see something familiar in the mess. No shit! A vintage beaulieu? And in pristine condition, no less. If he had such great and expensive taste in bikes, maybe he couldn't be all that bad. Sarah was so taken by this thought that she hardly noticed the balding, paunchy, corduroy-clad gremlin of a man step out from behind a tall row of banker's boxes behind her. What do you want? Ah! What? Ah! What is it? You... I... Fuck! Sarah's apparent proposition took them both by surprise. I take it you're here for the computer. Yes. How did oh, none you... None of you can bloody well speak English. Least of all those born into it. Oh. Huh? At long last, Sarah was certain of one thing. She had the pleasure of speaking with Professor Cunt. Chapter 3. Professor Cunt. Pleasure to meet you. No, it isn't. This was true. Godwin felt no pleasure in dealing with a spastic IT bunny, no less one with verbal diarrhea. No, he'd had a bad enough morning as it was, and dealing with this girl was the shit-flavored icing on his blood-coated cake. You like my bike? Yes, I love... More than computers? <laughs> I don't... That's a bit of a Sophie's choice. Because in... Please, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I called tech support, not the lesbians' bike brigade. Lesbians... What? So I'd appreciate it if you could actually do the fucking work the university fucking pays you to fucking do. I'm not a Liz. It doesn't matter and I don't care. Godwin could tell he pissed her off. It gave him a thrill as a matter of fact. A lesser academic might fear reprisal, but he had tenure. And enough leverage on the various deans and ombudsmen that he could take a dump in the center of the main building while jacking off to Mein Kampf and still show up for work the next day. Okay, so you've lost some important files? No, I just love having you near me. The aura of your IT background leaves me bulging with excitement. Here's a list of what's missing. Great. So you were looking for... Bonnetia? Venetia. Pretty name. Who is she? It's the safe word your mother uses when she stops by. At least I think it is. It's always hard to understand what she's saying with my... Is this it? What? Yes. Where'd you find it? Oh, wait. It's just the index file. Looks like you accidentally deleted it, which is super helpful, I hear, when trying to archive data. Godwin could hear the sarcasm in her voice, but chose to ignore it. On any other day, he'd have her written up and dressed down by her department head, but today he had no time for fun. He needed a new TA, and he needed his research back. I should be able to use the index file to read the data on your drive, but I'll need... No. It's confidential material for research. Very personal things that I can't show anyone else. Okay. But if you show me what to do, I'll figure out the rest. Uh, I guess that could work. But if you don't mind me asking, why not just use a password? The index file system seems a little bit paranoid. My TA set it up. Said it was a sort of key for the data. In a sense. A needlessly overcomplicated sense. Could I talk to him about a better security... He's on sabbatical. Godwin nodded towards the pile of custom-designed red square stickers on a shelf by the door. He could see her thinly veiled disgust, which he felt was not entirely unjustified. He himself felt conflicted by how the world perceived them, as well as how desperately he needed them to succeed. I wouldn't have taken you for a son of the revolution. As Sarah reached out to pick one up, Godwin swatted her hand away, growling at her like a ferret. Uh, look, don't touch. They're, they're expensive to reprint. Uh-huh. 
For all its stupid choices and violent outbursts, the student protest movement has succeeded in one thing. Anyway... It woke up an apathetic generation and stoked the fire within. Look, people lose sight of that. They think that all these kids want is cheap tuition, but the heart of the movement really is about responsible government. It's forcing them to ask themselves what they really want from their leaders. Uh-huh. Sarah nodded politely and returned to the task at hand. Godwin knew he shouldn't talk too much about it, that he'd get carried away in a tangent thought and end up wearing his heart on his sleeve. And that was how people got caught. But this girl, this stupid little girl, with her Bowie print shirt and utilitarian ponytail, she wasn't any threat, was she? Anyway, you should be good to go. Just pop in your drive, run the index files, and executable, and Bob's your uncle. Or husband. Whatever floats your boat, man. Miss Lee, have you ever been swept up in the emotion of a movement? Sometimes, after a night of drinking, my movements get really emotional. Hmm. I can see Alain has had no effect on you. I'm sorry? Your partner, Professor Levesque? Yeah, but how did- Oh, we met at the Arts and Sciences Christmas party. And again, at the start of term mixer. You, uh, you don't remember? No. You puked into my wicker waste paper basket and then the supply closet bucket respectively, so I won't be offended if I don't ring any bells. I was just musing on how funny it is that you've had more of an effect on him than he on you. (laughs) Nothing like an apolitical moderate to keep you balanced. Look, Alan does what he wants. You know, I don't... I'm not really like that, you know? Right. It's always safer to sit on the fence. Stay there long enough and you're bound to find a spike up your ass. I'll be sure to ask Alain to check for one later tonight. Sarah immediately stood up to leave. He could see he'd rattled her cage, but also that there wasn't much of any real substance to her. No passion. And this suited him. The last thing he wanted was someone with coding knowledge to look over Phoenicia and ask questions. What he didn't see, what should have alarmed him was Sarah's petty revenge. Stupid Southern Hemisphere prick. On her way out, she grabbed a pile of red square stickers in the corner of his desk, which she figured must have cost a pretty penny to print, and threw them in the garbage down the hallway. That is, all but one, which she returned for a minute later and fished out at the bottom of the bin. This, she thought, might come in handy down the line, or at the very least, would work well for her next Halloween costume. Either way, What harm could it possibly do? Right? Chapter 4, A Pain in the Neck Here you go, be safe tonight. Sarah found an immediate, if less than honest, use for her stolen red square badge. She slapped it to her messenger bag and stood in line with the other protesters outside the university's main building for a free snack. Here you go, be safe tonight. Tonight? At the demo? Oh, yeah. Of course. Totally gonna be saved. Oh, shit! You guys got Costco muffins? Uh, yeah. Sick! As Sarah walked back to her cubicle, she chowed down on her calorific beacon of modern capitalism, overjoyed by what the sticker had already earned her. What else might she leverage from this tiny red square? As the day went on, Sarah ran to and fro across campus, supporting the faculty's tech issues with a previously unheard of amount of pep. Um, my computer won't light up? It seems some devilish rogue has pulled the cord from the wall. Because I simply will not believe that you called tech support before checking to see if it was plugged in. When I send emails from online, they send. When I use Outlook, they just stay there. I see. 
Well, it may have something to do with the fact that you never set up your Outlook. Isn't that your job? I guess so. The computer crashed mid-lecture and I had to use acetate. Fucking acetate. I mean, what is this? The 19 fucking 80s? Is Reagan back? Because if he is and you're not telling me, I'm going to be pissed. What sites have you been visiting? I think you have some malware. No, wait, you have like all the malware ever. This is a class about where contemporary art and anal fistula porn meet. It's crucial, it's critical, it's intellectual, and it's very interesting. I, wow. Don't you shame me. By lunchtime, the cesspool of inbreeding and circle jerking that made up the majority of academia had worn her down, which is why she was overjoyed to finally see. Ale. I have a half hour, let's eat. You have no idea how happy I am to, wait, sandwiches? I thought we were doing sushi. Then why don't you buy the sushi? Already, Sarah could sense some tension. Alain looked tired, up all night grading papers or worrying about the existence of the A-bomb tired, not spend the night partying and just did a bump off a hooker's ass tired. She could tell he'd be no fun today and therefore proceeded to eat her pickled ginger and stewed pork banh mi in silence, or as silently as one can eat a baguette sandwich. It's, it's good. What? It's I like it. What? Mm. It's good. Ah. In the intervening silence, Sarah decided to put the bon me down and climb onto Alain's lap, ignoring the furtive glances from her co-workers. But even after playfully swatting at his nose like the sexy cat she knew she was, Sarah failed to turn Alain's mood around. How was your morning? Long. Hard. And how was last night? Rough and nasty. I believe it. He still wasn't playing along. And yours? Last night sucked. Oh, what happened? My girlfriend stood me up. Oh. A stray thought slipped back into Sarah's mind from the night before. Had she missed their late dinner date? I... You don't even remember that you stood me up, do you? We were supposed to meet for burgers at that place on St. Denis after my evening lecture. Uh... Do you remember anything from last night? As Sarah searched for an elegant way to excuse her complete and utter blackout, all she managed to get out was a simple little... Shit. Sarah. No, listen. This is getting ridiculous. I'm almost 40. You're 35. I, I round up. Point is, I can't keep pretending like nothing's wrong. Oh, God. She'd heard this before. From every single a boyfriend. He was going to break up with her. She knew exactly what was coming next. Sarah... I want you to move in with me. Wait, what? She was wrong. You've been avoiding this conversation for weeks by literally avoiding me, so let me ask you straight out. Oh, honey, no. I was... She paused, wondering which would sound worse, purposefully avoiding her boyfriend or getting so drunk that she completely forgot about him. Well? Uh, I love you. Sarah, when is enough enough? Sarah didn't know what to say. She was worried about the state of their relationship. She was worried about how her boyfriend would feel if she told the truth. She, she was worried about her own immaturity in the face of his ever-expanding angst. But, again, all she managed to get out was a quiet little... Uh, shit. Her supervisor, now glaring from across the room, sent her a message marked urgent with an attached email from Godwin. Oh, thank cunt. What? I mean, Godwin. The chair of the philosophy department? What does he have to Nothing. do with this? Sorry. Just work. He has a problem archiving his research and apparently asked for me, in particular, like, over an hour ago. Shit. He's gonna be pissed. 
I should probably get on this. You know, he can be a little... Prickly. Minus the L and Y. Anyway, can we put a pin in this? You really need to go right now? Kind of. It's my job. But we'll pick this up later. We will definitely adult tonight. I really hate how you turn nouns into verbs. Yeah, I totally sarah it up. Sarah had no intention of having any kind of serious conversation that night or doing any form of adulting. She just needed to buy herself more time. Planning or planning to plan was not her forte. Not that she didn't want to get serious with him. It was just that she liked her life exactly as it was. No change necessary. Was that so wrong? Hello, Professor Godwin? Everyone in the poli-sci department had seemingly gone to lunch, so when Sarah walked back into Godwin's office, she felt even more uneasy than before. This feeling was amplified by Godwin glaring at her from across the room. So, I'm here. Did the index file work? Obviously not, or you wouldn't have called me. He continued to stare, his face a mix of constipation and concentration, like a man seriously trying to use ESP on the toilet. Fine. Let's have a look. And still... No answer. Only that same stupid glare. Amazingly, even in silence, he managed to maintain an aura of prickishness. Mm. What the fuck? His moan was unsettling, to say the least. Look, I came as soon as I got the message, okay? Top priority. Numero uno. Oh. She then noticed he was staring at her bag, with his stolen red square sticker proudly displayed on the cover. Oh, the stickers! <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I took them, but if I did, then I'm sorry. Hypothetically. I mean, this isn't like that O.J. Simpson thing. I'm not confessing, you know. They're probably still in the trash. Potentially. His continued use of old man glare made her all the more uncomfortable. Every fiber in her being told her to leave, but then Sarah thought Godwin would win. Look, if you could maybe give me a little space, that'd be helpful, you know? Sarah pushed his chair back, sending him spinning around the room. Had she been looking up, she would have noticed the screwdriver lodged in the back of his head. Unfortunately, she did not. Hey, where's that index file? You didn't delete it again, did you? As his chair spun back around, Sarah looked up to find the same unrepentant stare. Okay, you know what? This is creepy. You look like you're mentally undressing me and then getting ready to harvest my organs for medical experimentation, so if you could just... As she kicked Godwin's chair, Sarah looked back down at her keyboard, once again missing the point entirely. Okay, you're acting like a child. I'm a fucking professional. Finally, Godwin spun back around, just as Sarah made the decision to maintain eye contact and win their little contest. Only then, at long last, did she see the screwdriver. Oh, God, oh, fuck. Sarah flashed to a moment in her youth when her mother had pulled a rusty nail from her foot to clean the wound, and whether it was out of shock or a genuine desire to help, she decided the best course of action was to pull the screwdriver out entirely. Oh, fuck. And whether because Godwin was now slumped over on the floor or because the blood pooling from his head had reached her shoes, Sarah came to the sound conclusion that she had fucked up. Oh, shit! 
Thank you for listening to MTO Bike Thief and the wonderful cast that includes Adrienne Richards, Eric Davis, Matthew Keyes, Corey Tomimic, Don Ford, Jonathan Dubsky, Jesse Sherman, Wyatt Bowen, Alex Gravenstein, Todd Fennell, and Simon Peacock. Narrated by Daniel Kay, engineering by Michael Fitch at Studio 2MO. Original score by Michael Fitch. Additional tracks, including Funkorama, Seafunk, Protofunk, Funk Game Loop, Back Vibes, As I Figure, Bass Walker, Fast Talking, Controlled, Chaos, One-Eyed, Maestro, Pop Goes, The Weasel, Anxiety, Prelude in Action, Too Cool, Cold Funk, Back on Track, Cool Rock, Just Nasty, Dub Eastern, Anguish, DD Groove, Longing and Concern, all provided by Kevin McLeod. Acoustic Blues, Ice Cold, Namaste, provided by Audiotronics, and Direct-to-Video, provided by Chris Zabriskie. All of these I should mention are provided under a Creative Commons license, so thank you. You like what you hear? Well, keep listening and tell your friends. Hate it? Tell your friends it's great and watch their excitement melt away as you laugh in ironic judgment, you sick son of a bitch. The next episode can be found exactly where you found this one, so good luck.